This is Laura looking for love, and last week we ended with Nathan Chen and the space he was in after two disappointing Olympic figure skating performances. And right after I posted last week's podcast later that evening on Friday, he had a major comeback, and the world was watching, they were excited, and it was one of those Olympic moments that people really hope and root for. He moved from 17th to 1st immediately following his performance, and eventually got pushed out of medal contention by the performers who followed. He only missed a bronze medal by two spots. But in the end, because of his inspirational performance and comeback, never in my experience watching the Olympics had a medal outcome been as insignificant as it was in that event that day. And it really made me look at what we value versus what we feel. As a human culture, we are very goal and label oriented. We set goals because they are indicators of our progress. Something concrete that will help us move energy to get to a desired place. But sometimes that goal becomes more important than anything else, and we lose sight of the experience and the journey. So what Nathan Chen did was remind us of the journey. And we love the journey when we see it in others. We watch the Olympics and sports to live vicariously through these athletes, to tap into that triumph vibration when they overcome obstacles. And when we bear witness, we very much appreciate the struggle and the sacrifice these athletes show us because we can relate, but also because it's something very difficult to go through ourselves. The majority of the world will avoid struggle, obstacles, and discomfort if they could. But avoiding these things does not make life easier because what you will have is a dull pain and a dull life dissatisfaction that requires constant distraction to prevent the pain from getting unbearable. And when that pain gets unbearable, self-destruction happens. So avoidance is not the answer. Life's challenges were not meant to be avoided. So last week I talked about what I call living at 10. The desire to go all out and all in, facing challenges, bumps on the road, and uncertainty for the fulfillment of our life purpose. There is no other joy greater than discovering your life's purpose and unique gifts and offering them to the world. And that desire and willingness to live at 10 is the first part of the hero's journey. And like I had described last week, struggle is all part of that journey. And when we can see struggle out in the open, not hiding behind closed doors, it's actually very helpful for us because it normalizes what we often fear. And that's what we got to see with Nathan Chen, the struggle on the Olympic stage. So that leads me to what I was thinking about after his performance, about what we value versus what we feel. And what we value is also one of the biggest roadblocks on our hero's journey, the big P, perfection. While most people aim for perfection, in the Olympics, for example, a perfect score, a perfect performance, When we really think about it, perfection is kind of boring. Seemingly perfect people don't inspire us as much as flawed people. Yet we place so much importance on it for ourselves. If we were moved by the comeback of Nathan Chen over the medal ceremony, then why is the medal ceremony so important? It's because we like validation for our efforts. We like being acknowledged, and we like that others acknowledge that we are important. And a big part of perfection has to do with the second P word, perception. Reality is very subjective. Most of what we know is more of what we feel and think. So I'll give an example from a movie I recently saw called Padman from India, based on a true story of a man who invented a machine to make sanitary napkins for women in India because he discovered that his wife was using dirty rags because the imported pads were too expensive. And his love for his wife and his unwillingness to see her get an infection and fall ill 
drove him to invent this machine that would make production of sanitary napkins cheaper and accessible to women in India. So there's this one scene in the beginning of the movie where he buys her a pack of pads and doesn't take the price off. His wife sees the price and makes him return it because it's too expensive. I think it was 55 Indian rupees. So she refuses the pads and several days later they're at a blessing ceremony and she tells her husband to give her 59 rupees to donate to one of the gods for blessing. And he says, you won't accept clean pads for your health, but you will spend 59 rupees for a blessing. And she doesn't at all see his point because in her mind, the blessing is so much more valuable than the pack of pads. It's perception. So the story continues and as he begins to experiment making these pads, he's ostracized from his village as a pervert, as a weirdo, because he's involved in something that only women should know about, that only women should understand, and that only women should speak about. So his wife, bearing the shame through him, ends up leaving him, and he also is shamed and leaves the village. So he walks his path alone for some time, but he still holds on to his vision to create something that will save his wife and other women in India. And he ends up borrowing some money, and he eventually creates this machine. But he still doesn't have anyone interested in what he's doing. And so just when he thinks that he's about to fail and he'll be unable to pay back the loan, a miraculous opportunity arises. And just when you think this opportunity will save him, that miracle fails to pan out in the way he expects. And as he almost gives up again, another miracle rises, and then another. And in between, he is smacked around and hits the wall. But finally, a movement begins, and women begin to appreciate his work. And what starts as a handful of women becomes an entire village, and eventually, the country, and eventually, countries beyond India. And by the time he becomes famous in India, he is then embraced back into that same village that had ostracized him in the beginning. But they embraced him not because he had changed, because his mission had stayed constant. His desire to help women had always been the same. They embraced him because their perception of him had changed once he became famous. So there is no intrinsic value of anything. It's the perception we have of its value. So when we think of it this way, this is why money is such a huge indicator of where our priorities are. Nothing really is about money. But our thoughts about money, about the monetary worth of things, that is what leads us to realizations about what we value and what we are currently focused on. Brand names are a great example of perception. So people pay thousands of dollars more for a handbag or a dress or a pair of sunglasses if the label is something they value. The label doesn't increase its value, the perception of the label does. And why? Because the company or the brand was certain in its value. It perceived its designs to be of superior quality. And because their own perception was unwavering, others believed them and followed. So if you want to create change, if you want to create a movement, if you want people to believe in you, you must first believe in yourself. You must first perceive yourself to be the best in what you do and know that to be true, even when others don't believe you. That's a huge part of the hero's journey, knowing that people's perception of you does not change or determine who you know yourself to be. So there was this time I was taking these classes, and like with traditional schools, the school also had specific requirements, it had a graduation, and it had a diploma. Well, although I had completed all of the requirements, the director of this program was really controlling and wanted me to stay an extra three months, for no concrete reason, just because she had the power to dictate that. And I struggled with really wanting the diploma, but having to succumb to this control of the director. And during that time, I won these free tickets, out of the blue, for a concert in L.A., 
So my BFF, Jose, and I went to this concert of a guy that we hadn't heard of at, at that time, but who had this huge, dedicated, and loyal following. And I later realized why. His name is Molly Music, and it was one of the best concerts I had ever been to. Talk about living at 10. This man has definitely embraced his hero journey. So it was standing room only, and I was in this raised semi-balcony section on his left. And in between his songs, he would preach about just anything that came to his head. And so I decided to record a part of the concert when he was talking. And at one point, he turned to his left in my direction and pointed directly at me and my camera and said, You need a paper to tell you who you are? There are rooms you will go in where you will not hear who you are. You've got to know. Everybody's going to tell you who they want you to be. That's why they want to meet with you in the first place. But you got to remember why they wanted to meet with you at all. Don't forget the work you've done. You are sufficient. And you are royalty. That moment for me was pure synchronicity. Because I was wavering and I needed that message. Miracles like that happen all the time when you are on your hero's journey. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be open and have the desire. And the universe and others will give you little answers and faith along the way. But if you are living in apathy, where nothing excites you, where everything is just eh, and you've really dulled down your vibration, you're going to completely miss the miracles, right when they're even staring you in the face. And it's a really horrible way to experience life in that type of apathy. So because of these free tickets, because of Molly Music, for the first time in my life, after years of being programmed in my Asian-American perfectionism world of the I must graduate at all costs mantra, I decided to leave this school knowing I had gotten the most important part, the teachings. I only really needed the teachings anyway. The diploma was the gold medal. It was validation from others that I was important. But once I no longer needed that, I was that much freer. And the school I once looked up to, I was now soaring over. So finally, I want to talk about Black Panther because I can't talk about the hero's journey without mentioning the superhero phenomenon that everyone is talking about now. I was so excited to see this movie. And I'm not even into comics or superhero flicks. I usually watch movies like Padman, where I'm one of five people in the theater, you know, discovering little known films I love. So Black Panther is not one of those. It's huge. I knew it would be sold out. So I actually pre-purchased tickets for opening weekend, and even in a premium screening format. This is how much effort I made to get good tickets for this. But the reason I was so drawn to the movie was because of the groundbreaking nature of its existence. People have been waiting a long time to see a reflection of themselves in a major superhero on the big screen. And also, I really like Ryan Coogler as a director. So I will talk generally about the movie. Uh, there won't be spoilers. So when the movie was over, I was really surprised that I wasn't super moved. I know I'm a small minority in this reaction but for me the biggest excitement came from just the fact that it was created the anticipation it's a great movie with amazing visual elements and it was a crucial film to have been made because it does break stereotypes for women as well and it provides a symbolic representation of a person who we can cheer for especially during these times when cheering for someone is really needed, not only for the black community, but for any minority community that has ever experienced oppression. So I do get it. I get it. But here's the thing. We were talking about the hero's journey and the fact that the hero's journey always includes struggle, seemingly insurmountable obstacles and conflict. 
The need for perfection is often the roadblock, and watching perfection is often kind of boring. To me, Black Panther was too perfect. I didn't really get to see his struggle. And Wakanda is a very technologically advanced civilization in the movie. It's located in Africa, where they hide their resources to keep their community intact, efficient, and almost like a utopia. And so Black Panther is raised in this protected society, shielded from the troubles of the outside world for most of his life, so he doesn't really experience struggle growing up or through most of his life. He is just perfect and good and has these built-in set of morals. We, we don't see much of how he came to be, his backstory. The only character that really has a backstory of struggle is Black Panther's arch-nemesis, Killmonger, who actually has become a more popular character as the enemy, I believe, because of that struggle and relatability. So there was a lot of responsibility that could be felt on creating a film of this magnitude, and I think the way it was created was as a teaching tool. There were some blatant moral statements... And then a final scene after the credits where this was obvious. But I think that intention to teach took away from the individual characters and their personal stories. In Breaking Stereotypes, Black Panther was created as perfect. But there was no freedom for him to be himself. To explore, to make mistakes, to struggle. And because he could not do those things inside the box of perfection, he also misses the big experience of triumph after struggle. The reward is always sweeter if there's struggle. And in the end, it was kind of like sacrificing the individual for the group. That's what it felt like to me as I experienced this movie. And this is important as we move along our hero journeys because identity is a major component of this. If you remember last week when I talked about the Florida school shooting and I said that the shooter was living at a one, that he had gradually slipped lower and lower until it was too late. Well, part of the reason we slip is we get caught and stuck in our victim experience. And it's not just victim experiences in relationship to race. It can be attached to our our sexual orientation, our gender, our appearance. Although I will be speaking mostly toward race because of Black Panther and also because it usually is the way we first learn to identify ourselves when we're younger. So when I was younger, I would first identify by my ethnicity before gender or any other descriptor. I was either Asian, Asian American, Japanese American. That was the completeness of my identity. So by identifying myself in relationship to a group, it really took away from my individual sense of self and identity because I was really aware of my behaviors in relation to the group. And I was also attached to anything that affected the group. So if a person made a racial slur against Asians, since it was my identifier, that person was making a personal attack on me as being part of that group. That's what I felt back then. But the reality is, It has nothing to do with me. Their perception is that Asian people are bad. It's really not my problem. But oftentimes we make it our problem because we want so badly for people not to be racist or sexist. And we fight with people who are ignorant, trying to prove our point. But the reality is, it's very unlikely that they will change their perception. As oppressors, as racists, what we don't realize is that they are victims themselves. Because only a victim would need to keep another man down because they believe in limited resources and fighting the other to have it. That's victim mentality. Non-victims understand abundance and possibility. And on the flip side, as the oppressed, in the face of major racism, when the world is watching, we sometimes put on a suit of perfection to show the world so that they will not judge us more than they already do. 
so eventually they will understand we are good people. So example, uh, when the government forced the Japanese Americans to camp, the overall consensus and agreement was from the Japanese Americans, let's do whatever they say. Let's behave nicely. Let's follow instructions so that they can see we're not the enemy. We will prove our loyalty by our obedience in accepting being imprisoned. So again, sacrificing individual desires and needs to represent the group in a quote-unquote positive light. It's kind of what I felt when watching Black Panther. He had to wear this suit of perfection to represent an opposing view of a negative stereotype, and in doing so, sacrificed his freedom of expression, his full spectrum of emotions. But most people will not think anything of this sacrifice or even notice it because most people operate out of race and group identity. But as we move outside of racial identity, as we step closer in alignment to spirit and see ourselves beyond that, we usually desire more in the form of individual experience and stories. I really wanted to root for Black Panther as someone I could relate to on a human struggle level rather than just for what he represented. So, kind of like with the internment experience, there was a responsibility that seemed to fall heavy on the movie as a first of its kind. And there was a sort of checklist of all the stereotypes that needed to be broken, and by the time the checklist was checked, there wasn't much room for the internal struggle. I personally would have liked it to be less about something to prove and more about the individual character of Black Panther and his superhero journey. The director, Ryan Coogler, knows how to tell an individual story. He knows about the hero's journey. He's a great director. With Creed and Fruitvale Station, we got to feel the conflict and the struggle of the protagonist. And especially in Fruitvale Station, where there is a deep complexity that allows the character to exist without the need for explanation. So because he knows how to flesh out individual stories so well, by not doing so in this, he made a conscious choice to make it about a bigger cause. It was less a story than a statement. If he wanted to reach the masses and have a huge blockbuster hit, he really needed to meet the masses where they were at. And with its success, Black Panther is a huge indicator of where the world is right now. People can relate to needing to prove themselves, needing to fight back against oppression, needing to break stereotypes. And I hope one day that this need eventually goes away and that the masses can eventually shift from their fixed perspectives of group and racial identities and that he and other directors can one day meet them at a higher vibration. You know, I've lived that transition from victim to spirit and so I know firsthand that it is a very difficult life to live inside of an identity that is so racially defined. People who live it will want you to be where they are at. That is the victim game. I'm a victim, I want you to be as well. They will say things like, it's hard not to be a victim when you live as a visible minority, as a black man, as an Asian woman, etc. And yes, it is. It can be excruciatingly painful to experience rejection and hate because of what you look like. But that is the struggle chosen for you and by you as part of your hero journey. Dealing with racism dealing with sexism, dealing with discrimination. And because those challenges often hit us on a core level because that's what, what our identity starts as being based on, it's deeply felt and we get stuck in that space. 
And in order to cope with the struggle of being stuck where it doesn't feel good, we develop coping mechanisms. We find support in other victims, in other victim groups, and we are in constant fight mode battling the oppressor. But if we knock down one oppressor, there will always be another behind him. Until we're able to see above it, to clear the energy of the patterns, we experience the same things over and over. So first step, begin your hero's journey. Start with the desire and intention to live at 10, to want to discover your life purpose, which is uniquely yours, not tied to your racial or cultural identity, not one your parents had wanted for you, one that you will only get to know once you begin to redefine who you are. 